0: You are listening to WCAT Radio, your station for quality Catholic programming. Your selected program will begin right after a word from our sponsor, GroupM7.com, a web design and hosting company. Log on to GroupM7.com today and let them know that WCAT Radio sent you.
1: You know, my finest childhood memories was the Saturday morning movies for about four bits each. My brother and I could split a Coke and a big box of popcorn and watch movies about Tarzan Jane and their Amazon River adventures. Well, maybe that's where Jeff Bezos took his name. His Amazon.com is now the largest online retailer in the world. I'm Michael Malfood with Group M7, the oldest and largest website design firm in East Texas. And here's my point. And as usual, it's a good one. If your website is modern and up to date, mobile and search engine friendly, it matters not whether you sell a product or provide information about your goods and services, your sales justifiably will increase just like theirs. The world uses the internet. We can improve your website and your email. Look at our giant portfolio at GroupM7.com. Since 1995, there's only one web and there's only one group, and it's us. It's GroupM7.
0: You're listening to WCAT Radio, your home for authentic Catholic programming.
2: Good afternoon, and thank you for tuning in to WCAT Radio's Vows, Vocations, and Promises, Discerning the Call of Love. I am your host, Dr. Marianne Urlakis, and today I have the privilege of speaking with a very special guest, a Catholic author, fellow WCAT Radio host. Annabelle Mosley. Before launching into today's program, let us begin, as we always do, with a prayer. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Dear God in heaven, from all eternity, you have willed to reveal to us the depths of your love. In creating humanity to bear your own image and likeness, you have bestowed upon us an immeasurable gift. Please help each of us to prayerfully discern the unique vocational path upon which you invite us to embark. Help us to tune out the din of the distractions and to truly listen for the gentle sound of your call. Grant us the courage to view ourselves and others through your eyes, not focusing on limitations and failures, but rather on the abyss of your divine love. Teach us to hope in your promise, to answer your call with boundless trust. Remain with us always as we seek only to do your will. Grant us the grace to remain faithful to living in harmony with your divine will and entrusting ourselves to the Sacred Heart of Jesus. We ask this through the intercession of Our Lady, the All-Pure, the Ever-Immaculate, Blessed Virgin Mary, in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, today I have the privilege of speaking with a fascinating guest, Annabelle Molesley, regarding her personal vocation journey and her new book entitled uh, Our House of the Sacred Heart, Litany and Stories with Art, Prayers, Poetry, Reflections Toward Consecration to the Sacred Heart. Annabelle is an award-winning American poet. She is the, ad- the inventor of a novel. Poetry Form, The Mirror Sonnet. She is a professor of theology and the author of 11 books, including Sacred Braille, the Rosary as Masterpiece through Art, Poetry, and Reflections, which was a finalist in the 2020 Catholic Publishers Award in the category of prayer. Her book, Sacred Braille, has also been translated into Braille through the Xavier Society for the Blind and made available to the visually impaired. Annabelle is uh, is a host of Catholic podcasts on Sacramental Living, including Then Sings My Soul and Destination Sainthood on WCAT Radio. She has also been a reoccurring guest on Relevant Radio's Morning Air and has uh, appeared on the Catholic Faith Network. Annabelle was one of five featured artists in the documentary the 2019 documentary film masterpieces um welcome annabelle thank you for joining me today on wcat radio's vows vocations and promises discerning the call of
3: love Ah, oh, thank you so much for having me i'm i'm so i'm just so happy to be here
2: i am very anxious to get into your book, uh, and I wanted to even before we we start the interview formally i just i am so blown away by the beauty of your book. I have been involved in several of the enroute publications i 've written forwards to some of uh, francis Etheridge's work. I have several poems in uh, some of the uh... books that have been published by Enroute, route i interview an awful lot of authors and i have to say your book the beauty of your book from cover to cover the words the art the prayers this, the story everything that is woven together this is truly a beautiful beautiful book and i congratulate you on it
3: Oh, thank you so much
2: I know we're going to get into this a bit as we discuss the book itself, but could you give the listeners a a little bit of of your own vocational journey? Um,
3: Just
2: let us know how you got here.
3: Sure. I'd be happy to do that. Well, you know, it's funny. There's that that wonderful Latin phrase, right, Uh, poeta nascitur, a poet is born, not made. Um, I, I agree with that. I, I do feel I was sort of a born poet, and I, I, I mean, it was a real joy to feel as far back as I can remember, um, a call to be a writer. So that was always there. Um, that doesn't mean there wasn't a heck of a lot of, as you call them, U-turns and S-curves along the path. But I did feel uh, very keenly God calling me to be a writer. Uh, a poet and a writer. In fact, I can even, you know, a a real good touch tone story of this. I remember being about seven years old in school. Uh, I didn't like school very much in those days, I think because I was a bit of a dreamer and I like, you know, I I felt almost like held back sometimes in school Mm -hmm. um, from my own imagination. Um, Probably just wanted to be home writing some stories. But uh, I remember on the playground, I found this tree. It was a tree set apart. So, you know, I had friends, and I liked playing on the playground itself, but I really relished those moments I could break away from the group and sit under this beautiful tree, and I would pray there, and I would think about being a writer when I grew up and how um, it really felt like something God wanted for me. So since I thought about God there and I thought about my vocation there, I now call it my covenant tree when I look back. Um, So there was that wonderful sense early on, and my my parents really – did foster that for me. They saw the gift and uh, helped me to hone it, helped me to believe in myself that way. But there were definitely, you know, U-turns and S-curves and that kind of thing um, in terms of how I ended up where I am today. Um, I'll share, you know, in my book, Our House of the Sacred Heart, I talk about, as as being a writer, um, there is something I want to share with everyone, though, that I think everyone can access. Um, I call it in the preface of my book, I call it the gift of the poet's eye. And so even though it's something that I feel called, you know, it's part of my unique vocation, it's something I hope as part of my vocation to share with others and have, uh, you know, anyone else access that. Um, You know, grace is granted when we pray and we, we ask for it, but it does help when we can train our eye to recognize it to be attentive to the clues God leaves in each of our lives. That's what I call the gift of the poet's eye. And, you know, I assure everyone listening, whatever your story, however painful, however many challenges have, have, you know, crossed your path, please be assured that God has left signs and symbols along the way, clues to guide you to a sacred heart, clues, almost like breadcrumbs leading you home to heaven. And if we can train our eye, to just see the clues, the gifts, the signs he leaves for us. Um, We can make beauty out of the mess and pain. That's what a poet does. We can see something beautiful in the ordinary. And since God is, you know, Jesus is the Word made flesh, the author of salvation. His life is what I consider the most perfect poem. He'll show us the poetry of our lives, those symbols along the way that will point to what God has waiting for us.
2: That is beautifully put. Um, thank you, Annabelle. That is really very insightful uh, and and true. Those symbols exist in everyone's life. Absolutely. No matter what the mess is, he is speaking to us. He is speaking to each and every one of our hearts. And it is sometimes so hard to turn off the distractions. And some of the distractions are, they're of our own making. It is quieting the voice inside that is often full of, you know, self-doubt, uh, the critical voice, and waiting to listen for his voice. All of the things that have happened have happened for a reason, even our poor choices. We can make use of those poor choices and turn them into beauty. And some of the things are not, uh, some of the events in each of our lives are not of our own making. And right. we wonder where God was in each of them, but he was really there. Um, and it's not until we get to the other side of eternity when it all makes sense. I have a really good friend. A canonist and a priest and a Carmelite, um, one of my favorite homilies of his that he gives pretty much every year, uh, he talks about the aha moment, and he said, you know, that is the most frequent phrase uttered in every language when we finally get to heaven. Aha! Now it makes sense. (laughs) (laughs) Right. I didn't get it, but now, oh, that's why all that happened. Uh, And I think he's right. (laughs) Right. (laughs) i love that oh this is a fabulous book i was mentioning to you just a little bit ago when we did our pre-interview i was asking you okay well you know i hadn't seen the book yet it hadn't arrived and i wanted to pigeonhole it as i want to do you know, can you tell me what genre this is? Is this <laughs> theology? Is this art? Um, is, is this your own story? Uh, what is this? And if you uh, tried, but I didn't get a good grasp of, of an answer. And then I get the <laughs> book, and it's mm-hmm. like, it is everything. No wonder she couldn't answer Aww. the question, because um, it, is, it is so perfectly memoir. The art in here is fabulous. Oh, you the classical Caravaggios everything that you have woven through here is so beautiful um, it is a It is a book for meditation. It is a book with poetry, and yet everything wo- weaves together in such a perfect dynamic whole. a beautiful garment, a beautiful tapestry is woven here and then and then, on top of it, it can be used for a 33-day consecration to the Sacred Heart. It's an aid in prayer with much prayer in it. You've done a, a tremendous job here in this one.
3: Oh, thank you so much.
2: What motivated you? You've written 11 books. Um, what motivated you to write this particular book?
3: Well, my, my book dedicated to Our Lady came out about a year and a half ago you mentioned it in the introduction it's called sacred braille the rosary of masterpiece and it honors mary by extolling the rosary again through my my, kind of my signature i guess through art and poetry and prose and um i you know i filled the book with classic art and i really i really wanted to give something that would enrich the reader's understanding of the rosary whether there's someone who prays the rosary every single day and just loves it or whether they're new to the devotion, or really maybe even some struggle with the devotion. I had many students along the way, um, very faithful students, who would say to me, oh, it bothers me I'm not as dedicated to the rosary as I'd like to be. And they were honest enough to say they, they felt called to be, and I wanted a book that would make them more excited about the devotion. And once the book was released, I realized that for my next project, I wanted to write a book dedicated to Jesus and offer a devotion dedicated to Him, kind of like, you know, we talk about the two hearts or the twin hearts, the Immaculate Heart and the Sacred Heart. So I felt, all right, it's time for a book dedicated to our Lord. And I decided upon the Sacred Heart devotion, something I I definitely feel very close to. Um, But upon reflection, I started to realize that I'd been experiencing the presence of the Sacred Heart at work in my life all along. You know, I I spent so many times... just, well, so much time as a child in the house of my grandparents. Um, it was It's actually uh, very similar to the house. It's an artist's rendition on the cover of the book there of the house uh, I spent so much time in as a child. This red house, it was the house of my grandparents. It was the same color as the Sacred Heart, this bright red. But inside the house was so much faith, so much love. And my mother and I took I guess you could say refuge in this house. After my father died, I was just a little girl when he passed away. I was 11, he was a wonderful father. Um, His loss was felt insurmountable, but the love and the faith that surrounded us in this home, this red house helped to heal us. Um, And so the house over time, and you know, with the wisdom of years, I guess, looking back, the house became a metaphor for me, for the refuge Jesus's heart provides. Um, it taught me through like, the signal graces I experienced in that house that I can trust in Jesus no matter what. So I started writing Our House of the Sacred Heart right after the pandemic first hit and the lockdown okay. had begun. And suddenly no one was visiting each other's houses anymore. Everyone was just sheltering in place. And I realized that there's a house that we're never kept out of uh, ah. due to any circumstance. It's the heart of Jesus. And that's why I wanted to bring this book out in this year and this time that no matter what's happening in this crazy world, we are invited through sacred hospitality to enter the house of Jesus, his heart.
2: Beautiful. I love that metaphor. And as you turn the pages of the book and read the story and see chapter after chapter, you had such an amazing childhood. Yes, there was a tremendous amount of pain, the loss of your father and your grandfather within nine months of each other.
3: Yeah, yeah.
2: I I can only imagine. And yet the, the... the beauty of such a strong Catholic family, your, your grandparents and their witness, and their tragedy is in their early lives too, as you, as you mentioned yes. early in the book. Um that the ability to take that tragedy and to turn it into something beautiful. Um, their other children, your aunts and uncles and cousins, this dynamic house, this dynamic house of faith, um, just what a childhood. Uh, what a sacred childhood sacred and holy in the sense of when we think of um, the Holy of Holies, when we think of the sanctuary of, in each church, it is a place set aside, the, the spot on the other side of the communion rail, um, the other heaven. Yes. And yes. this was for you that other heaven, uh, a beautiful set-aside sacred place where you lived out in day-to-day the joys and sorrows that are part of life, but you also acutely were aware of the real presence of God and Our Lady living amongst you.
3: Sure. Well, you know, it's funny when when you ask, uh, and, and you did a lot of preparing uh, me, I feel, for this question when we were talking before the interview, you know, just about sharing for your wonderful show, vows, vocations, promises, discerning the call of love. You know, how did you end up where you are today? A Big piece of that is understanding that the painful tragedy that happened when I was little. Um, so my grandfather passed away nine months before my dad, as you said, they were both these amazing father figures. I was only 11 when my father passed. I knew I could feel, and I thank the Holy Spirit for this, that I became keenly aware that I could go one of two directions. Mm-hmm. That the pain was so bad that it could it could just split me apart. It could set me down a path where, where I might spiral out of control. I, I, I could feel that the pain could have done that. So it was sort of this decision, because my eyes were open to that reality of trying to sort of set my face like flint, I guess, you know, to say yes. I want to honor their love. And the way I can honor their love is to, even though it really hurts, to choose to uh, witness to that love through the choices I make and really cling to my faith. Um, The the thing I mentioned before about seeing the signs God leaves us, thank you God for that because it's only because of all those signs that I was able to see through the gift of the poet's eye, which as my book says, anyone can develop that gift. You see those little life rafts. um, Without seeing the life rafts, they're still there. They're there for everyone. God sends them for everybody. Um, There are times when all of us, get blind, right? All of us will miss those signs. But then if we can train our eye to see them, uh, it'll get us through every time. And you know, my grandfather planted a seed, the the one I lost before my father. He told me when I was just a little girl, I I caught him one day shining his shoes. I was like six years old. And he seemed very deep in thought. And I said, what are you doing? And he says, you know, I'm not just shining my shoes, I'm praying. And he said, anything you need, ask Our Lady, anything. And so it's things like that that you go back to. So you have those, those, those life rafts to say, okay, this is getting really hard. Let me cling to Our Lady. Let me cling to Our Lord.
2: I love that part in your book when you speak about the mundane and the shoe shining and how he taught you, not by words, not by sitting down and lecturing, but by actually doing and engaging. Right with you you know it was that whole prayer of the body because he was doing um and he taught you by example not by mere lecture that life is a prayer and that you are giving every mundane action to god and in conversation with god with your daily actions you know those those moments are very painful but very true, I, as you mentioned, the knowledge that you had, the choice. Um, I've had the same thing in my own life with, with the loss of my father. And I I had lost a baby just before my dad was diagnosed with cancer, oh. my little Francis. And oh. we took my dad into our home as he uh, was diagnosed wow. with cancer very serious bone cancer. And oh my. he was living with us, taking him to radiation and chemo and to visit my mom who had Alzheimer's and was in a in a nursing home in a long term care facility in a memory unit. And Had the joy of having him day to day, living in our home with my very small children at that point—my five-year-old, my three-year-old, and my nearly one-year-old at the moment—and he—he had just converted to Catholicism within weeks before he had died um, on the epiphany. Wow! And I knelt there at his knee, and I said, "Dad, if you get to heaven before I do, could you take care of?" my two little ones that are in heaven, and could you ask God for
3: oh. a baby for us?
2: And he said, absolutely. Well, he passed um, three weeks later, and I remember sitting there, sobbing my eyes out on the couch, praying my rosary, and there was that moment of choice, as you said. This could either make me very bitter and out, mm-hmm. or mm-hmm. this could be it. And I prayed and I prayed, and I felt a voice inside me say, if you give me your father, I will give you mine. And Beautiful. And I agreed. A half hour later, the doorbell rang, and I asked God. I said, God, I don't know whether I'm allowed to do this or not, but I need a sign. I need a yeah. sign that Dad is okay. And I'm going to be specific. I want a single white rose. I don't want a dozen. I don't want a dozen red roses. I want a single white rose to know he's okay. It was a snowstorm. It was the middle of February. This is Wisconsin, okay? Um, (laughs) It was my birthday. I opened the door, and my dad's name was George, and there was a Flowers by George truck in our driveway. Oh, And there was a man on my front porch, with a single red rose in a vase with a note from a woman named Mary saying she had heard of my dad's passing and she wanted to give me comfort. I took the rose. I was incredulous. I said, does this mean you picked the sign? I don't pick the sign. What does this mean? For six years after that, my kids and I knew I had the rose dried on my dresser, told them the story. It's All Saints Day, All Souls Day, and we're at the parish, and I'm weaving through after Mass, and I have at that point a trail of six young children behind me as we're weaving through a packed vestibule area. And the deacon is in conversation with somebody, and he is holding the largest white rose I have ever seen in my life. And he stops his conversation, and he says, excuse me, this lady needs this, and he hands me the white rose and goes back to his conversation. And my kids knew what it meant. they ran back into the church and said, this is a sign that Grandpa is okay. Um, Oh, wow. Those signs are there. And That's even incredible. children, it is. Um, I've written this before, so I can share it on the on the program. But those signs are there in everybody's life, as you say. Yes. And yes. it is asking and opening our eyes um, and getting through the pain to try and hear that voice of God. Um, I love your book. I am going to be giving copies of this book to so many people. Um, oh, thank you. I have... Favorite chapters, favorite sections marked. I don't want to give away the things that are in your book, um, but I have. There are so many special, special spots for me. The the kitchen, the um, the lesson of the paperweight, the lesson of the peacock pin. Um, so many beautiful uh, sections in your book. I love the your grandma Nanabelle's lessons toward the end, um, right, yeah. it, it, just so much of what you have been able to share. Um, when you, how has the book changed you? How has writing this book changed who you are and your perspective on things?
3: Well, I think in order to come up with, um, you know, it's a, it's a 33-day consecration to the Sacred Heart. So I thought it would be, what I wanted to do was, so for each of the lessons or chapters, but I call them the lessons, for each of the lessons, um, it, it the lesson or the chapter is sort of journeying closely with one of the litany lines of the Sacred Heart yes. of Jesus, right? So the litany to the Sacred Heart of Jesus is 33 lines, and each lesson is is really closely related to that litany line. And there'll be a prayer, as you know, um, there'll be a prayer and an art to really help you, and even questions, you know, pondering, ponder and pray questions to help you go deeper with that litany line. But then the story is a story of of a true everyday experience um, that really happened (laughs) in my life or the life of someone I know that points to a way we live that, that, that lesson, that litany line, you know. So these were all stories from either my life or the life of people I know. But in order to gather them all together, it took, a, you know, almost a, a full year, labor of love. I think it, so, you know, I got to journey deeper with the very thing I just mentioned, that having that gift of the poet's eye to see the signs along the way. But you spend, you know, nine to 12 months dwelling on that. <laughs> sure. I guess I, um, I've i gone much deeper and been, been humbled. I've had, you know, you... you Reliving some things, it does take a certain amount of of courage to relive, even though it's something I've made peace with through prayer. Uh, I'd, I'd astonish myself sometimes with uh, with the feelings that could emerge, the the sorrows. When you want to bring it to art, when you want to bring something that was painful in your life to beauty, uh, not not as catharsis. That's not what this is. It's it's um it has to be elevated to art, at where it can help others. But sometimes along the way, that's not the easiest path to journey through. Um, but on the other side of it now, I feel I understand my story deeper, but better than that, what I hope everyone will get when they read this, because the way the book works is that there's questions in every lesson so that you can chart your own life. You'll see through these questions and through this guide and through this litany how God has left these loving signs in your own life. So. I, I suppose that i'm 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 left with more of a sense of wonder and awe and gratitude for really how 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 far God will go for us to leave us these signs.
2: One of the things that I was struck with as I read your book and you just touched on it here was this is not catharsis when I have read other memoirs, not all but some. The purpose of the book is not as if if one brings others to joy or to healing it's accidental the purpose of the author is catharsis and not so here at all it is as if you have these treasures close to your heart and you could hold them there and keep them there and that would be really comfortable and awesome but there's something inside you that says no I need to give, I need to share these, and so you do, Um, and I find that just immensely beautiful.
3: Well, I'm so glad to hear you say that because that's, I think, what I'm trying to say, the process of. I I wanted every every story I told to be equally relevant for someone who was not me, from my family. It had to be something that would hopefully speak to every heart so that process of um of polishing <laughs> of telling just the right you know telling it just the right way um in a, in a, in a, that was that was really something that that process of creation that uh was quite it really was quite something i'll never forget it i think it uh it definitely brought me deeper in prayer and uh and gratitude
2: the, the the meditations, the reflections, the chapters are short. One is able to to sit down, and if they wanted to, just do one in a, a day, over 33 days, as you mentioned, and each one is standalone in so many ways. Um, you can go back and pull one out and use it, or you can sit there, as I did, engrossed and, and read it cover to cover. Um, oh, wow, that's great. <laughs> So uh, that is another feature that I think is really unique about, about this book um, and the beauty with which you've been able to, to weave it. Uh, and I, it's awesome to see that you've gained lessons from it, too. One of the things that struck me with the red heart, I love the cover, and the picture of the house um, and it being a metaphor for the sacred heart, it also struck me from day one, as soon as I saw the cover, that In addition to looking like a a farmhouse like I see out here um, all the time in Wisconsin, it also reminds me of a school, um, a little red schoolhouse. And the lessons that you have coming from it, it's so much the school of the Sacred Heart in essence as well.
3: Yes. Oh, that's beautifully said. That's beautifully um, said. You know, you know it's, it's interesting, too, because um, I have this quote in the book, St. Thomas More. I love this quote. The ordinary acts we practice every day at home are of more importance to the soul than their simplicity might suggest. And what, I, I don't know, what better thing to dwell on than how our everyday lives can lead us to the holy, to the divine. Um, so I love that idea of, of the very home being, being the school of the sacred heart.
2: Even from the beginning, when you mentioned the cowbells ringing on the door, <laughs> that hit me as the school bell.
3: Oh, that's great! What a poet! What a poetic way of putting it. You've got a poet's eye.
2: Thank you. Um, it just. I am very humbled by your book and the lessons that it, it brought out I, in my own heart and I'm eager to share them with others. Um, there's just, there's so much here um, and as you mentioned, you know, even your faith has grown through discernment, through penning the book. Um, I'm sure you had to weigh the material and decide, Nah, I'm not going to include this. I am going to include this. Uh, this Absolutely. is more personal than I want to go. Um, yep. I, Lord, I want to share, but my privacy is really important too. Um, <laughs> right. <laughs> um, so it is, it is really unique. How did that process go as you were sitting there um, trying to figure out what to share and what not to share? Can you, can you give me an insight into your thought pattern there?
3: Uh, it, well, everything was weighed with prayer. It was a very prayerful time for me. Um, it had to be put to a test where I would, you know, literally hold it up in my mind and say, because I'm a teacher, I think that really helps. Um, yes. And I've taught. A lot, of, and even if I briefly spoke about the S-curves along the way, uh, I taught high school for four years. I never thought I'd teach high school. That was—I yeah. didn't even seek it. I got—I got a phone call about it. You know, it was something that just sort of happened to me. God put me there. When you teach high school, it was Catholic high school, and if you can make something relevant and exciting to a 16-year-old, a distracted yeah. 16-year-old, I think you can—you can really reach anyone. You know, God willing. And I have that teacher's eye of—well, um, I, I hope a good teacher. You know, not just a teacher that maybe. Gets up there and just lectures. I, I I like to be the kind of teacher who um, reaches people. So I would picture being in a classroom, sharing. In fact, some of the stories I have shared, even though I teach now, I don't teach high school anymore. I teach theology, um, and I teach at a seminary. I also teach at a college. And if sometimes it's funny when you're studying scripture, um, I like to make I like to make it real for for my students. Where to you know to explain something that the, the the characters, the saints, or Jesus, might have been experiencing, every now and then I'd tell a story. And it always went over really well it was my best classes. They'd say, oh, I love that story about your uncle, the priest. I love that story about your grandmother and how she handled that. And it made this passage come more alive for me. It wasn't just happening to Martha and Mary of Bethany. I could picture it happening in, in contemporary times. So I guess if I felt the story would hold up in the classroom, um, that's how I looked at it. I wanted the stories, again, not to be cathartic, just to be um, emblematic of, of, of something everyone could relate to on their journey. That's, okay, you know, you can never be sure, but I tried to hold it up to that test. Would it be something that would survive the classroom? <laughs> so hopefully it worked.
2: That resonates with me. I've taught high school, too. I've taught graduate school. I've taught undergrad. And I did also get that phone call and spent teaching philosophy and logic wow. to a wow. group of upper division high schoolers. And I know exactly what you mean. If you can stand there and make it relevant to a group of high schoolers. And story. Jesus taught in parables. How can we improve yes. on oh, that? You know, beautifully it, said. yes. Exactly right. The Master himself used stories, there's a reason here. <laughs>
3: Absolutely. And, you know, so, what well, someone told me along the way, um, that, you know, how saints, we have so many saints that God raises up that, that you know, their, their stories become famous, but they're, they help the time that you're in. So, you know, Padre Pio, in some ways, helps us in, in a way unique from, say, someone like, a, oh, I don't know, a saint, Margaret of Antioch, um, just because he's closer to our times. So I do think when we tell our stories, it, it, it's a way of kind of if we do it right, um, and if it's through faith, and it's connected to the sacred heart of Jesus and prayer, it kind of keeps us connected to, to those stories. It kind of shows how we're still living, you know, almost the gospel stories in our own lives, because that's why Jesus told those stories, you know, so that we, when we would have a storm at sea, we would know, you know, that we could trust in him so that when we were uh, short on food, we would trust that he would provide that kind of thing. So it's the same way with with these stories, I hope that it will um, make also the devotion to the Sacred Heart could seem um, very poetic and, um, and unreachable. I mean, I've heard this before, you know, like, it's beautiful, but now how do we live it? You know, Um, I wanted to make the Sacred Heart feel very, very accessible and real.
2: And you did. You achieved that in this book. You really do. Um, you know, is-
3: you know that's, I'm so happy to hear you say that. That's so great. I, it just popped into my head, you know, the expression wearing, wearing your heart on your sleeve. <laughs> yes. Um, well, that's to me, when I see the Sacred Heart, what I find so poignant is that Jesus is um, pointing to his revealed unguarded heart. This is the king, leaving himself vulnerable, giving us his heart. And I think we have to make ourselves, be willing to make ourselves vulnerable uh, to him, to say, I give you my heart. So I hope the stories also kind of point to a way we can all do that. St. John
2: of the Cross, we both have a Carmelite heart. We've talked about that privately, and we are both Carmelites at heart. Um, St. John of the Cross says, in the twilight of of life, we will be judged on love. And I think the pages of your book and the stories uh, really reverberate that whole theme. We are called to love. We are called to love with the heart of Jesus. Um, And in those, it's, Sometimes easier to love with the heart of Jesus when it's strangers, but it's really easy to fall into traps, uh, bitterness, uh, uh, pettiness, with those of our own family and those who are under our roof. Um, and you know, looking at scriptures and seeing uh, a prophet is not accepted in his own home, uh, what Jesus himself went through in Nazareth and yet is asked, to overcome with love um, the pages of your book really reflect that that in the family um, in the intimacy of the joys and sorrows there are so many lessons to be learned and that Christ is really among us uh, my Eastern uh, um, long breathes with Holy Resurrection Monastery and Every phone call is answered with Christ is in our midst. Um, That constant reminder, you know, Christ is right here with us, uh, even in the fussy times, um, under the same roof.
3: Wow. That's, That's so beautifully said. Thank you for that.
2: Do you have a favorite chapter? Do you have one, a favorite reflection, a favorite poem, something that stands out for you?
3: You know, it's interesting. I think um, that it, that would. I I have so many. I don't. Um, it's almost like it's almost like picking a a favorite child. It's it's hard. I guess okay. I do like based on you know varying on the day. Um, okay. On a certain day, in a way, it's funny. Um, there are certain days that when I'm, let's say, if I'm looking through the book to talk on on a show like this, or to or to, I don't know if someone comes up to me and wants to chat about the book it it varies which which one i'm drawn to maybe which story i need the most that day um i'm looking here as we're talking to see if one jumps out at me today uh you know one that's very very dear to me um it it is the story of when my father passed away um, he died at three o'clock on a friday and so In the midst of this great loss, all of a sudden, when that dawned on us, wait a second, it's Friday. He died at exactly three o'clock, and then we go home to gather our things. Uh, We were going to stay at my grandmother's house uh, the next night, and um, we stop home, and every clock had stopped at 3 p.m., and uh, just trusting in, you know, God's divine mercy. Um, I also love, I love the story, and I, I guess this is a good answer to that question. I I always love reading the story of, uh, rereading the story of the birch bark. Um, That's the story where my uncle, I had a priest uncle, um, my grandmother's brother. And about a year after my father passed, this uncle, and now he was like a legend in the family. You know, he, uh, talk about a strong priest. He had a real martyr spirit he told my grandmother when he was just a little boy, he said, you know, I would be I'd be glad to give up my life to gain eternity. He said, to become a priest, I would have to do that. I'd have to, because he was a, he loved family, he was from a family of 10 kids. He would love to have a big family. But he said to my grandmother, it's so worth it to save souls, to work for God. I would think about it, life is so brief. And I could do this for God, this is my chance, and then I'd be in an eternity in heaven you know well he had to live out that you know he had to put his money where his mouth is because he was sent as a missionary to the philippines and then world war ii struck and he was imprisoned for his faith and the same uncle you know he saved children's lives there he he noticed that they were all eating the, the meager bowl of rice they'd get the adults in the camp would sometimes take the children's rice you know because this sort of This sort of horrible condition can sometimes turn even good people a little bit to the animal side of things and and my uncle would give his bowl of rice and then he actually talked his prison guards into him being the cook so he could make sure the children got enough to eat well this same uncle years later um became he was actually just a huge force in my life and really quick i'll just say one day he, he comes to my grandmother's house and to me he's this living legend And he opens up a bag and he says, I have a gift for you. I said, what is it? He goes, actually, it's birch bark. And he gathered them from the trees at the Shrine of the Martyrs in Orysville, New York, where he was the uh, chaplain. And he said, I want you to write your poems on these. You know, the skin of trees. And he explained to me how birch bark is is a, a very strong tree that sheds its bark kind of like a death, in order to become more strong. And it kind of, as the the bark is shed, it it gets stronger. And to me as a kid, it it reminded me of Lazarus and the burial bands dropping. And to someone, to a a kid who had just lost her father, first of all, to hear from this valued uncle, you're a poet, write your poems on these. It felt like this blessing of my vocation. And actually what I did with it, I, I prayed about it. It just seemed so poetic and so beautiful. I wanted to do right by this gift. So what I did was, after a lot of prayer, I wrote a letter, a poetic letter, to my grandfather and my father, telling them how much I missed them. And then I brought that birch bark poem letter into the woods and left it there. And thought of the Holy Spirit, you know, through the Holy Spirit, bringing that message to those I love on the other side, also inspired by the same uncle who gave me the gift. Because when he was a prisoner of war, he prayed to what he called. The messenger in the tabernacle and he said messenger in the tabernacle through the Eucharist bring my love to my family back in America and when they receive the Eucharist may they receive my love through you Lord so I kind of followed his example and and asked for the Holy Spirit to bring my love to those on the other side
2: oh Annabelle that is really beautiful and that is just a hint of what is inside this beautiful book cover to cover. Um, it, amazing. And grace-filled and inspirational. It, clearly, you were inspired as a writer um, and an artist, a poet. The The task of matching the great sacred art with each chapter, um, with each poem, with each page, it, it all flows and fits together so beautifully. And the word inspired came to me as I was reading through it. It's like, this is, this is not just beautiful. It is clearly inspired from above, um, and it is inspirational. Um, it takes your breath away. Um, mm. What is your next project?
3: Well, the main thing I'm working on now and kind of for the near future is this consecration to the Sacred Heart that I'm leading. So the book itself, of course, is um, a 33 day consecration to the Sacred Heart, but I created a companion podcast. It has some of the, you know, little hint of some of the stuff in the book, but it's mostly different content, mostly different content, and it includes music, because that's the one thing I couldn't put in the book. (laughs) <laughs> um, is is sacred music <laughs> so I wanted to do something you can actually sign up at if you go to my website which is tour guide of tour guide of wonder because I'm always in wonder and awe I just feel like God is amazing and I'm always my mouth is always hanging open metaphorically at his beauty so it's tour guide of wonder and if you sign up there starting on the feast of the sacred heart you'll get for 33 days an email sent to your inbox with a little thing you can click on, and it's about a nine-minute podcast where I lead. I lead a prayer, and I feature. I, I speak about um, the litany line of the day, and it's pretty much very different from the book. I mean, there's a little bit of you know, if you there's some stuff I draw from the book, but a lot of separate content that I give. Uh, so that's that's something I'm really passionate about. I, I really hope it spreads because I would love for more and more people to um, enter the refuge of the Sacred Heart and and spend 33 days making trying to make our hearts look like his heart offering our heart each day so that by the time we consecrate ourselves on the 33rd day we really feel like we've been giving him our heart for the past month so that's what I'm really excited about right now is that 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 consecration? very
2: exciting Um, could you repeat that website again I will be signing up and I will put that on on my social media as well Um, Tour oh, sure, of wonder. I'd be happy to
3: Tourguideofwonder.com. And when you get to Tour Guide of Wonder, you just click on Consecration. And all you have to do is you, you sign up with your name and your email. That's it. And then I think an email comes to you and you have to then approve it um, just okay. to make sure that, you know, you signed up and you're not a robot. <laughs> but uh, And
2: your first day of, of uh, the Consecration, the first day of the yeah. show Three Days is?
3: The first day is the Feast of the Sacred Heart, June 11th. Okay. So, uh, uh-huh. you know, what a fun thing to do. I think a beautiful thing to do for the Feast of the Sacred Heart to say, all right, I'm all in. I'm starting the journey, you know. And then we'll finish up. It'll be the beginning of July, the month of the Precious Blood, which is so closely aligned to the uh, devotion to the Sacred Heart. So I'm excited about it. We're going to have a great, great journey. Oh, we are.
2: That is that is uh, fabulous. And I'm anxious to, to be able to do that and share that with listeners. Oh,
3: I'm and thrilled we'll you'll join online. us. We'll be lucky to oh, have I you. Will. Thank you so much. I will. We'll
2: see if we can pull in the, the whole family, and uh, we have a, a whole bunch of us from this uh, frontier. Um, oh, this is really fascinating. fascinating. Um, as you look to, to this book and the, the fruit that has come from it, you mentioned that you run into folks who have said they've read it and that they've sure. enjoyed it. What are some of the stories that you're hearing from folks who have actually read cover to cover? What is, What is some of the feedback that you've been getting?
3: Um, One thing that was really lovely, I'm humbling, but really lovely is um, one person said that, you know that old expression that people say life doesn't come with a handbook? (laughs) They said, this this feels like it does come with a handbook because, (laughs) and I said, oh wow, what a great thing to say. But she said, because you take the stories from the Bible, right, because there's scripture all through the book. Um, right. In every, every one of the 33 lessons starts with Scripture. And um, even a lot of the poetry dwells on Scripture, whether it's Job, whether it's Martha and Mary, whether it's, you know, Jesus. Um, that what this person said was that incorporating those timeless stories with relatable stories from, um, I guess, my own life, really, uh, somehow what she, what she thought was amazing was she said, wow, somehow that guided me to deeper into the stories of my own life, this woman, and, and gave her comfort and gave her joy. And she said, it's, a, it, it's amazing how she feels she knows herself better. She feels she has a better regard for her family story. She said, I wouldn't have, I guess she did all the ponder and pray questions. So she, she did all the questions, the reflection questions as she read it. And she said it really gave her a sense of, wow, I have all these signs in my life and my in my family's life, too. I've heard from some, they're doing it with their family. So it, it gives them a, a way to tell family stories or for the younger ah. ones to ask family stories. Like, wait a second, okay, this question, is, this story was about a grandmother. What do you know about our grandparents? You know, did they have sort of thing happened to them? Or, or if it was very different, how was it different? And how did that change the shape of the family in, in ways that God used, you know? Um, a deacon read the book and he said that for him, he was sharing it with everybody because he said it really, in a time where the family is under attack these days, yes. the book extols a family, the importance of family in shaping our faith and encourages us to kind of keep on going. I also have a, you know, some I've heard from some priests and they said that the depiction of my uncle the one i was just telling you about with the birch bark really yeah. inspired them as an example of such an awesome priest just that just inspired them to keep going that he had this martyr spirit and sometimes they feel it's hard these days to uh to be a priest and they said look yeah. he was willing to lay it all down he was in a prison camp for 3 years and had such a beautiful life in such an inspiring story almost a saintly story so those are just some of the stories i heard.
2: Fabulous. Thank you for sharing those. Um, I have, of my three children who have been at Holy Apostles, one just graduated, and she is my poet. She has uh, some work in two of uh, Francis Etheridge's books. Um, what kind of advice would you have for young poets out there?
3: Um, I would say to join their poetry um, to prayer, Um, their poetry will sing if it's brought to prayer, you know, um, that's how, that's how I feel that, um, God brings beauty the more we bring our gift to him. The gift is from him. You know, if if you're, if you're a good poet, just like anything else, if you're a good artist, if you're a good architect, if you're a wonderful violin maker, it's something that God gave you. It's a, it's a God given talent. To Sometimes when you have that talent, um, I see this with my students, and its I say this with love, it's, it's very human sometimes to say, oh, I love this talent, this is so much fun, and to get lost in that, remember where it comes from, and okay. keep giving it back to him, keep giving it back to him, and then also, it's amazing how much your work will get better with time, even if you're extremely talented when you're young. Um, and you can keep you know I, I certainly did when i was young working and publishing but it's exciting as time passes to see how it's like a fine wine your gift will grow because of the wisdom that will come to you
2: sure. as we are holy apostles college and seminary and we are affiliated as wcat radio with holy apostles college and seminary there are a fair number of men in formation who listen to this program if you were going to address a nugget of advice, a piece of advice specifically to men in formation, the men that you teach, um, what nugget would you share with them?
3: Well, I'm, I'm a mother of sons, too, so I'll say what I tell my own sons, um, who have also expressed an interest in perhaps someday they being priests, so I, I've often thought of what I tell them. Um, there's, on the bulletin for our parish, there's a quote, Salvation of souls is the supreme law. Um, Live by that. Live by that. I can tell you this. You might not hear this from the culture enough. We need you. If you do credit to your vocation, you are a hero. You are a hero that the world desperately needs. There's nothing more beautiful or heroic than being a priest, um, if you're a good one. So I would also mention being a real man. Uh, I would I would mention reading the consecration to St. Joseph, uh, specifically the one by Father Donald Calloway. Um, it, it will light you with a fire of excitement that be, to be a priest is to be a man after St. Joseph's heart. And that also means stay close to Mary. My grandfather gave me advice when I was a kid, and I would give the same advice to my sons and to any priest in formation listening. You're, if you're going to be a priest, you're uh, one of Mary's favorite sons. <laughs> it's just that simple. And if you need anything, go to her. If if, if you have a hard time, you know, there's going to be challenges along the way. Run to her, and she'll always strengthen you. That's what Saint Joseph did. He, in all of his strengths, he also relied on Mary. So read the consecration to Saint Joseph. And finally, I'd say, you know, along with having a rich prayer life staying strong, knowing your theology, clinging to the deposit of faith, no matter what trends come and go. You're you're there to defend the deposit of faith and to save souls, to feed the sheep. But finally, I think of my uncle, the greatest priest I've ever known. You have to have a martyr spirit. And that makes you a hero. When you were a little boy and you wanted to be a hero, you couldn't be a bigger hero than to be a priest. So thank you for laying down your life for your sheep. And I want you to also know this, I'm praying for you. I pray every day for those souls who are on the journey to priesthood. And you are my family's hero, that's for sure.
2: Wow. That is one of the best nuggets I've ever had. I've asked this question for nearly three years, and and so much. Um, that is a great nugget. Thank you. Thank you for sharing that. As we are getting oh, to the honor. end... As we're getting to the end of our time here on WCAT Radio's Vows, Vocations, and Promises, I want to remind my listeners with whom I'm speaking, I'm speaking with Annabelle Mosley, the author of Our House of the Sacred Heart, recently published by Enroute Books and Media. Um, Annabelle is also the host of uh, two podcasts on um, WCAT Radio, and you can find her by clicking on the same site that you got to for me, WCAT Radio, um, and she is the host of Then Sings My Soul and Destination Sainthood. Annabelle, it has been a joy and a blessing to have you on this program today. Um, Is there anything else that you want to add before I invite you to close this with a prayer?
3: I just want to thank you. Thank you. This is, uh, I felt more like a conversation between friends than, than an interview because you're just so delightful to speak with. I loved hearing your stories, too. Thank you for sharing your story of the rose. That was a beautiful story. I don't think I'll ever forget that.
2: Thank you. Thank
3: you. Would you be kind enough to close us with a prayer, then? I'd be happy to. The the prayer I'd like to close with is actually the one that I use every day on the Consecration to the, heart, uh, to the Sacred Heart that I'm leading. Um, And and here it goes. I love it. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Sacred Heart of Jesus, I commit this day to you. Merciful Heart of Jesus, today, in return for your great love for me, I renew the covenant of love I made with you on the day of my baptism, and which you renew each time you offer yourself to the Father in the Eucharist. I consecrate myself, family, and all my undertakings to your loving heart. I offer to bring the message of love and mercy that emanates from your sacred heart to all who will listen. Send forth your Holy Spirit, and you shall renew the face of the earth. I ask this through the Immaculate Heart of Mary, your Mother. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.
2: Amen.
0: The mission of Holy Apostles College and Seminary is to form faithful witnesses of Christ. Year after year, the prestigious Newman Guide has recommended Holy Apostles for our academic excellence and steadfast fidelity to the magisterial teachings of the Catholic Church. We are also fully accredited and the leader in Catholic online learning. Our students enjoy the unsurpassed flexibility to study on their own time and anywhere in the world through asynchronous engagement. Holy Apostles is dedicated to the relentless pursuit of truth which allows students in all academic programs, including undergraduate, graduate, and personal interest, to formulate a coherent worldview based on both faith and reason. The study of the liberal arts also develops and refines key competencies associated with career readiness, such as critical thinking and problem solving, clear communication, collaboration, and a strong work ethic. The tuition rate at Holy Apostles is one of the most affordable in the country. Yearly tuition for a full-time undergraduate is under $12,000. Students at Holy Apostles can graduate with minimal or even no college debt, which enables them to live out their calling as faithful witnesses of Christ without heavy financial burdens holding them back. Please visit www.holyapostles.edu forward slash admissions for more information. The fall 2021 admissions deadline is Friday, July 23rd. Classes start Monday, August 30th. See you soon. Hello, God's beloved. I'm Annabelle Mosley, author, professor of theology, and host of Then Sings My
3: Soul and Destination Sainthood on WCAT Radio. I invite you to listen in and find inspiration along this sacred journey we're traveling together to make our lives a masterpiece and, with God's grace, become saints. Join me, Annabelle Mosley, for then sings my soul and Destination Sainthood on WCAT Radio. God bless you. Remember, you're never alone. God is always with you.
0: Thank you for listening to a production of WCAT Radio. Please join us in our mission of evangelization. And don't forget, love
2: lifts up where knowledge takes flight.